always appreciate the opportunity to preach the Word of God. Uh, on this particular uh, reason, occasion, I wish it wasn't so, but uh, just because of what Coretta and I'm sure the rest of the family's uh, feeling and going through, but uh, that's the cycle of life, is it not? We're born, we live, we meet our fate, and we meet our Maker, unless He comes back first. And we're certain that Coretta's dad is in a better place. He's a faithful gospel preacher. Keep your Bibles, keep your sword open to Romans chapter 13. We're going to be looking at that. It's going to be our text tonight. What does it mean to be saved? There's a lot of different connotations you can put with that. What does it mean to be saved? We've heard all kinds of stories about people maybe adrift at sea and being found and saved. Uh, People stranded on a deserted island and found and saved. Or there's other types of ways of looking at that. I was talking to somebody one time. And they were talking and talking and talking and, and talking. And they continued to talk and on and on. And a buddy was over here watching. And I guess he saw maybe my face or something and thought I need to be, I need to be rescued from this situation. So he said, hey, Steve, come here, man. I need to talk to you about something. I said, oh, okay. Well, can you excuse me just a second? And I walk over to him and said, what do I need, man? He says, nothing. You just like you need to be saved from that conversation. Um, there's all kinds of ways of looking at that. Well, what about this? What does it mean to be lost? Uh, every man knows what that means in the auditorium if they're willing to admit it. Uh, I am. I get lost a lot driving. Um, various trips. I've got my GPS. If it gets if it gets me going down one way and it's just not right, I'm I'm lost. Um, sometimes people you hear about in the Great Smoky Mountains, people getting lost up in the woods. That's got to be frightening experience to be lost and to not know where you're at. But as we put this all together and bring it to a spiritual conversation, think about your own soul. And as we go through this, I want you to think about, is my soul saved? Is the soul that God gave you that's going to live for eternity someplace, is it saved? Or are you lost? So I'm going to ask you to give me 15 minutes, since I went way over this morning, give me 15 minutes, this will be short and sweet, I promise. If, if it's 20 minutes, I promise you it'll be 20 minutes. <laughs> All right? I give, you that, I give you my promise. If I go 25 minutes, if you'd raise your hand, and I promise no more than 25 minutes. <laughs> We're going to talk about salvation's urgency, and there is an urgency for it. So if you look at verse 11 one more time. Paul writes, And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Read this verse again. I'm going to put it up on the board. And I've I've added some things to it. It's it's in parentheses just to know that uh, for, for emphasis, 
about how maybe another way to really look at this verse and make it really, really personal. And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time for Steve Hillis, and you insert your name there, to awake out of sleep. For now, my salvation is nearer than when I first believed. Know the time. Know the time that we're in. Know our surroundings. Know that we're not promised the next five minutes. And it's high time. Now is the time to wake up and to realize where I am. I can answer for myself. You can answer for yourself where I stand spiritually, where I stand before the Lord. Because salvation is nearer than when I first believed. Nobody. Nobody knows in the last days. You remember Jesus even said, I don't know. That's in the Father's hands. We don't know when it is, but it's, is it not literally nearer every second, every moment we're walking on this earth? We don't know what's going to happen to our lives. And it is near. Wake-up calls can be funny sometimes. You ever had a wake-up call at a hotel? And um, our youth group does that. They're really good at that. And I won't call Caleb's name, but he's really good at it. You know, getting that call at three or four. Wait a minute, where's Paul Hurst? Why is, he, is he laughing? He's good at it too. Those calls about three or four o'clock in the morning and, you know, uh, yes, sir, this is front, uh, this is front desk. Have you, uh, uh, you got any ice in your room? And just dumb things. You know. Uh, your bus is leaving in five minutes. Just things like that. Just very, being very ridiculous. Wake up call. Just pranks. And um, they've never done it to me, thankfully. I hope they know not to. But um, You look at this text, it's high time for us to wake up, spiritually speaking. We are not in a dress rehearsal. Let me talk seriously for a second. I want to brag a little bit on the middle school. Um, there's a lot of people to brag on throughout all the school systems, but our school put on a play uh, Friday, two times during the day and one at night, and called uh, King Artie and the Knights of the Rad Table. King Arthur and the Knights of the Rad Table. Anyway, um, to play off of that, and they didn't hit the stage without some dress rehearsals. They didn't hit the stage without putting in, I think they put in like 40, a lot of hours to get on that stage. We don't necessarily have that luxury. We're living live. The camera's on right now, and we're live time. We're in real time. It's not a dress rehearsal. And as we live and as we breathe and as, as, as God is looking down upon us in all his tender mercy and love, it's in real time. And how are we living our lives? So therefore, as Paul tells them, it's, now, it's high time to wake up because we don't know. We just don't know. We don't have the time to practice. We've got to live it. We've got to apply it right now. Look at verse 12 and verse 13. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. 
Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. How can we be who Jesus wants us to be if we're not holding his hand and allowing him to lead us on his path, on his walk? How can we be? As Paul states, um, what is our walk? How are we walking on this earth? How are we walking in our life? Are we walking with the devil or are we walking with Jesus? That's always a hard thing to talk about and even think about. But it's a truth. Who are we walking with and how are we walking in this life? He talks about in this verse, armor of light. Cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Why does God use it that way? Why does God use for good works, light, and for evil works, darkness? Because most evil deeds are done when nobody's around, when nobody can see. Oh, there might be groups of people doing things. There might be an individual alone doing things, but it's usually in secret, or at least trying to be. It's trying to elude somebody or something to do the bad stuff. But when we're trying to live our lives right, and we're trying to do good things in our life for our families, and especially for the Lord, we're living in the light. Darkness covers things. Light exposes things. And as Christians, we are to walk as children of light. Not shining the spotlight on people, but our lives living in such a way that people see the glory and the light of God and His Son Jesus shining forth from us. And that's why God uses light. That's why He uses that contraction, that comparison. Light is good. Darkness is not. Life is for the good. Darkness is for the evil. I want to look at some passages that explains this a little bit more. There's four of them. I'd, I'd appreciate it if you want to turn to those, or you can listen to me as I quote from them. And the first one is found in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. And I'll give you a moment to turn to each of these. But the first one is found in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. Here's what this text states. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk that way, if I may paraphrase it. Walk as children of light. We were all once in darkness. I'm talking to Christians. We were all once. And there's a sin that easily... Entraps us, right? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. There's a sin that's peculiar to you that's not to me. There's sins that I struggle with every day. You might think, well, what's the big deal? But we all have these sins in our lives that we have to try to deal with. Well, once we become a Christian, we were once in that. We were once darkness, but the light exposed that darkness. Now we're living in the light in the Lord. And Paul is admonishing Walk as children of light. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and verse 14. 
Colossians chapter 1. And then again, the Apostle Paul writes this. He writes, He, that is God, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We'll stop there before I go to verse 14. God delivered us. God did this. We put ourselves in darkness, and it takes the power of God to get us out. We all understand that we obey the gospel. We have a say in this, but it's by the power of God. God says we can be saved. God gives us that opportunity. God delivers us through obedience from the power of darkness. And it is a power. It's a force. It's a magnetic force. The sin I have to deal with every day, it's hard sometimes. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. You deal with the same things, the sin in your life. And it's sometimes it's so easy to just let go and go with it. Too easy, I'm afraid, sometimes. It's a power. But God delivers us from that power and has conveyed us, transferred us, put us in to the kingdom of the Son of His love. God put us in His church, His Son's church, only through His power. Then verse 14 states, In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. It's all about Jesus. And it's all about the blood that He shed and redemption comes through Him. But again, darkness and light. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 makes this statement. Peter states, but you are a chosen generation. It was your generation that Jesus was sent to. A royal priesthood. We don't need a priest praying for us. We are a royal priesthood. And our high priest is Jesus Christ. A holy nation. Not a nation with boundaries, not a nation with water or oceans on each side or political boundaries or river boundaries. It's a global nation. It's a Christian nation. His own special people. Well, why is that? Why are we a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people? Peter goes on to state that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of that darkness, into the light of Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 5 states, You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Once we give our lives to Jesus, the darkness should be put away and the light shining forth. Now, continuing these verses, we are either light in our lives or we are darkness. Then when Jesus comes back, he's going to see us in one of two ways. As himself, you know this verse. John chapter 14 and verse 15 states, "If you, Jesus speaking, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, what did Jesus do? Think about that with Jesus, talking about himself. What if, if the Father was talking to Jesus and said, if you love me, Jesus, you'll keep my commandments. Did Jesus keep the commandments of the Father to the very end? To the very end. Think about the Garden of Gethsemane. He did. So when Jesus comes back, well, if we love him, we'll keep his commandments and we'll be just like him and we'll see him. 
or we're going to be a stranger to it. In Matthew chapter 7, and again, these are verses that you're well aware of. Some of you may not be. Matthew chapter 7 states, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What a sad day that might be to be a stranger to somebody I thought was my friend. And my brother. Now verse 14. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Well, what does it mean to put on the Lord? It might be a synecdoche to say you've become a Christian. You've accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you can even get even deeper than that, more specific than that. Paul told the Galatians, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You're wearing Him now. Baptism being the final thing to do before God adds you to His church. We understand His faith. We understand repentance. We understand confessing the name of Jesus. And when we're baptized, we put on Jesus. Then Paul states in verse 14, make no provision for the flesh. All those sins he mentioned in verse 13, which revelry, drunkenness, lewdness, lust, strife, envy, and any other sin we might could add to that, Paul is stating don't make no provisions for it. So that means everything I do, I need to be on guard. Every action I'm doing, don't make a provision where I might think I've got to, I can skip out of what I need to be doing. Everything I think. Am I filtering my mind with spiritual things or am I putting filth and junk in my mind? Make no provisions for what I say. Every word I say. Some of the most frightening verses in the Bible is being judged on some things that I've said and that you've said. So Paul states, don't make any provisions to fulfill the flesh, or for, or for the flesh, and fulfill the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Now let's try to bring this all home. As we stated, we're not living in a dress rehearsal. It's now, it's high time now for me and for you to make sure that we're right and we're ready. To meet the Lord. What we are doing is real time. It's not practice time. This final verse, if you would, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. It's a long reading. I'm under my time, I think. I think we're good. Dairy Queen stays open to 10. Don't have to worry about that. Sonic still doesn't start to 8, I don't think. So don't worry about that. Everybody relax. We're good. Because this is a serious topic. 
We're talking about getting real about this because it's not practice time. We're not in a dress rehearsal. I want you to notice what Paul tells the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. He says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. He'd already told them about it. They'd already discussed this prior. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. We just don't know. For when they say, when the naysayers say, when the skeptics say, when the atheists say, when the skeptics say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. The unsaved will not escape. Those Christians who have sin in their lives and they've not repented of it will not escape. But you, verse 4, but you, brethren, you're not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You shouldn't get caught because you're not living in darkness. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Be aware of what's going on. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, drunk at night. Darkness. Those who are living in darkness are in darkness. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, God doesn't want anybody to be lost. God's a God of love. And God is a God of mercy and grace and just an awesome and beautiful God. He doesn't want anybody lost, but he's also a righteous judge. Making the right call on my soul, on what I've done, and on yours. For God did not appoint us to, to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're alive when he comes back, or whether we're dead in the grave, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. In the final verse that goes along with this, in Luke chapter 21. And for time's sake, I'm not going to read all of this. In Luke chapter 21. In Luke chapter 21, it's a sign of the times. I think the majority of this, from my research and study, is about the destruction of Jerusalem. But there's two verses I want to hone in on. Begin with verse 27 of Luke chapter 21, which reads, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up, and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. If this does, these verses pertain to Jesus coming back. That when that day does come, and you see him coming, and you look up, and you see what you're going to have redeemed, what's going to be your response? Is it going to be, yes, yes, it's the Lord, and I'm ready. Or is it going to be, no, 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 not now, not now, I'm not ready. 
Salvation is real. And God's given it to us through His grace because He loves us so much. But as we've read in several passages, few are going to find it. Are we going to be the few that find it? What are, what are we going to do about it? If you need salvation tonight, if you need to ask for forgiveness, if you need to become a Christian, don't sit there. Let's talk about it. This is the invitation. And Larry has his song picked out, calling the prodigal home. Come home. And let's talk as we stand and sing.